Today we light the fourth Advent candle. It is the candle of peace. The prophet Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When Christ rules in your heart, he will give you his peace. We celebrate our glorious Savior, the author of peace. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are indeed our Prince of Peace. In a season filled with distractions and turmoil and depression sometimes, God, we look to you to be the true author of our peace. God, give us your peace this holiday season as we look to you. Amen. Church, you ready to worship this morning? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's put our hands together. We're going to have a party this morning.
Father, send your peace on this place this morning. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus
covered man is resting on your shoulder. special day on the third floor we are not only having a pajama day but we're also celebrating Jerry can you tell them what we're celebrating a birthday party for Jesus we are having a birthday party for Jesus right after this so if you do not have a place to volunteer and serve kids is where it's at you get to wear your pajamas at least twice a year and have cupcakes more than you could ever imagine but the best part is, this is just a small sample of the great kids that I get to spend every Sunday morning with. And we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you are new to us, if this is your first time visiting us, or if you are a member and we are your home church, 
we want you to know that we are there for you and it is very easy to connect with us and ask us questions or give us prayer requests. If you can text the word connect to the number 904-441-6900 and give us information and we will get back with you. You can also text the word news to the same number and that will let you know what's going on in the life of our church. And this is a very busy week for us. Who knows what's coming up Saturday? What is Saturday? Does anybody know what Saturday is? Christmas Eve. Eve. And we are having not one, but four Christmas Eve services. Here are the options that you have to join us on Christmas Eve. 1.30 and 3 p.m. in the sanctuary. Or... moved. This is not where he stood when we practiced. 430, uh, 430, 6, 430 and 6 p.m. here in the CLC. Four options of Christmas Eve services. There will be a children's moment at each service and there will be children singing at each of our Christmas Eve services. On Sunday morning, Christmas Day, we will have one combined service in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. If you come to Christmas Eve and celebrate with us, please feel free to spend Christmas Day with your family. But if you choose to also worship on Sunday, Christmas Day, we will be across the atrium in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. Also, it takes a village, and we have a team of probably 200 volunteers that serve each week with our children birth through our youth and high school. And to thank these volunteers and give them the opportunity to be with their families on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, Anastasia Kids Jr., Anastasia Kids, and youth will not be meeting on December the 25th and January the 1st, and that includes nursery. So thank you for understanding that. We also want to thank you as a church for your generosity and how you give. There are many ways to give. Um, we have a digital way for you to give. There are giving boxes located on the on the walls within the atrium and we thank you so much for your gracious gifts the proof of that is what's going on behind us with our construction area and um, we recently put the rocks that many of you have written on in the foundation and soon you're going to get to see a video of that actually happening but before we go we would like to close in prayer and my friend isaac murray is going to lead us in that prayer Thank you for everything that you created, and thank you for the people that are making it all fun. Thank you for the people that have made everything. Happy birthday, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Jesus, I just thank you that you've gotten us to this stage, Lord, where we can build a foundation of a building. But Lord, I, I'm so thankful that the true foundation is you. And Lord, I pray that as we place these rocks in here, let them be a symbol of us building our lives upon you, building this community upon you, building up families and kids for the next generation. Lord, take these rocks and use them to build your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.
Good morning. How cool is that, that the rocks that we put prayers and scriptures, and now those rocks are going to be put into the foundation of that new children's building. That's, can we give Jesus some praise for that? Amen. My name is Pastor Bobby. I'm uh, usually up here leading worship. I'm bringing you the message today. Uh, thankful for the opportunity. I don't know about you, but I've had the crud all week, and I've been coughing, and there's just stuff going around, so I'm going to try to get through this message today without, without coughing uh, too much, but uh, it is a good morning to be here at Anastasia Church. It's beginning to feel a little like Christmas, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's a wonderful time of year. You know, the other night... Um, my family, we were able to go downtown in the night lights and just kind of walk around and just the beauty of all um, the decorations and the lights down there. And I was just kind of pinching myself. It's like, wow, we get to live in a beautiful place, don't we? Uh, and I think it's getting discovered. Uh, if you've been out and about in the traffic uh, around town here lately, you know, in the midst of all the activity, the office and neighborhood parties and different things that are going on, it's really important that we don't forget the stable influence. The Christmas story, it affects everything that we do, and we've been talking about that as men and women, as families. Uh, and today we're going to look at the stable influence on worship. And the question for you and for me today is, how does Jesus' birth influence our worship? Think about that question. How does Jesus's birth influence our worship? How should it shape how we worship God, impact it? And I want to start today by uh, looking uh, at a scripture passage today. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole Luke story, but basically the shepherds are out in the field and the angels arrive in all their glory and, and uh, the light and, and they're sharing the story of, of the babe that's been born. And, and so let's pick it up in Luke uh, chapter 2 with verse 15. Let's stand, shall we, together in honor of God's word. And it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So this morning I want to share with you five ways. Can you hold out your hand? Five ways. Five ways that we can, uh, we can worship the Lord as this story uh, impacts our worship and we, what we learn uh, through the stable influence. And the first thing is, number one, is that we should worship with expectation, okay? Worship with expectation. Every child gets this, right? Every parent should remember this. But can you remember that excitement on Christmas Eve 
and you think you might get that special something Christmas morning and you just can't wait, right? You just can't wait for Christmas. You're so excited, can't sleep, you're fidgety, you just, do you guys, anybody remember way back then? You guys remember that, right? Uh, and just, there's just so much excitement. Um, and sometimes when we get older, we, we kind of lose a little bit of that excitement because we got work to do Christmas Eve, right? Uh, but, you know, we, we sometimes we can lose a little bit of that wonder, a little bit of that excitement. Uh, as Buddy the Elf would say, we lose a little bit of that Christmas cheer, huh? Um, but in Jesus' time, there was this deep longing for a Messiah, Back then, the people were in a difficult place and they needed someone to help them, to deliver them. Now let's remember, they were struggling under the Roman occupation. Their life was hard. And so the people were hoping, they were praying with expectation for the one who could be their leader, the one who could set them free. And their prayers were prayers to God with expectation for that deliverance, God save us. In Galatians chapter four, it says this, uh, verse four, it says, but when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law. You see, God had a plan at a set time when the things had fully uh, come together. And so we should, as we have expectation in our worship, that expectation be, should be tied in to the fact that God does have a plan. And we need to trust that God's timing and, and when God um, puts that plan in motion is the correct and right timing. But we still have that expectation. And with that expectation, we should have trust that God will deliver, trust in God's timing. So as we worship with expectation, we should also have an expectation that Jesus is going to come again. And he will not come as he came. He will come again in all glory um, from the sky, the scriptures tell us. And so as we worship, we have this expectation that he will come again uh, and that the best is yet to come. As a believer, we can say that the best is yet to come because heaven, frankly, is better. Amen. Isn't it? It's better. And so it doesn't matter where we are in life today, we can say the best is yet to come because for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we know that God has the best for us. And the biggest danger is that we can become complacent. We can become satisfied in the here and now. We lose a little bit of that hunger. But when we have that expectation that, yes, the best is to come, an expectation that God is moving, uh, that God is working, we have an expectation when we come into this service uh, that God is going to speak to us through his word, right? That God, that we're going to encounter him in fresh and new ways, um, and knowing, and you know, I don't know, when we come into this place and worship, you know, it's not about us, right? <laughs> it's about God. It's about worshiping him and just how God is moving in people's lives. It really is all about him. 
See, I believe that when we worship with expectation, and hear me now, it unlocks the doors of what is possible because of our faith. You hear me? When we worship with expectation, we unlock the doors of what is possible because in faith, we're trusting, we're believing, we know that God is at work, God is moving, God is healing, God is saving, he is restoring, he's renewing, he's reviving, amen? We believe that God is doing these things right here, right now, today. And so as we come and worship, we come with a sense of expectation and excitement. God, what you doing today? You know, I may not see it. I may not feel it. But in faith, I know that you're doing these things, Lord. I know that you are doing them. And so this Christmas, I would really invite you to worship with expectation. Number two, hold out two fingers. Number two, worship with humility. Worship with humility. You know, something just seems off about the Christmas story from this side of the pages. You know, if we were looking uh, at the story from, uh, from back then, we would realize that this was tough, right? Mary had to travel late in her pregnancy. All the ladies are like, if you know, you know, right? Late in her pregnancy, there's no room at the inn, huh? This was not a grand coronation for God's son. It was a humble beginning. Let's revisit a little section of the Christmas story. Let me just read a little bit of this. It says, while they were there, a time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. That to me is just fascinating. It's fascinating. See, the Romans back then, they had this great empire and they wanted to count all their subjects. And so they said, okay, we're gonna have a census. And back then, if you were having a census, you had to go to your hometown. Where's your hometown? Where's your hometown? Ohio. Ohio. Okay, you gotta go to Ohio and get counted, okay? <laughs> so that's how it worked. And so it didn't matter if you were pregnant. You had, you had to go. They wanted to count everyone. And so... Uh, and so this was really messing up everybody's plans and, and, and people were having to travel and, and you, they didn't have a choice about it. And, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph, they're, they're just doing the best they can and they get to the place. It's a small town, right? And there's no room. Now, you would think if anyone deserved some, some nice treatment, nice room at the end, it would be the son of God, right? <laughs> you know, um, you would think um, uh, parents to Jesus, uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Uh, yes, we have a nice room for you right over here. Uh, but instead, the reality is, um, what's your name again? Mary and Joseph? Uh, I don't have you here. Um, you know, do you have any points uh, saved up? Uh, maybe you can use... Uh, you know, so th there's no special treatment for God's son. 
And they say, well, well, you are pregnant. You know, there are animals out back. They're kind of sheltering. Maybe you can stay with them. Talk about a humble beginning. Humble beginning. And then we see this little nugget from the scripture that the babe is wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and they lay it in the manger. And it's really easy for us to have these romantic ideas of the perfect posturing animals and the angels. And you have this clean golden hay and the baby Jesus lays glistening in the golden hay. But does anybody remember what a manger really is? It's where the animals eat. You know, have you ever been licked by a farm animal? <laughs> have you ever had to kiss a pig? Uh, it's a little gross, right? It's a little disgusting. Um, and so here we have the baby Jesus in this grungy manger the newborn king. The Christmas story, it's, it's a story of the humble nature of our God. He's not making a big fuss about who he is, uh, but he certainly could have. It was about him living amongst us, being with us, what it was like to, to, to live amongst humanity. Here is a babe, think about it, thirsting, hungering, crying. For God, it was this connection to us. And it required the, just an, an immeasurable amount of humility. I was at a, a lunch recently with some business leaders. And uh, they, there was two people there. And they were, didn't, didn't know each other. And they were getting to know each other. And I'm just sitting there eating and listening. And... And, uh, and the one person introduces himself and says, yeah, I'm, I'm in administration. And, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you're, you're the boss, you're the CEO, you're an important person. But they introduced themselves as just, oh, I'm in administration. I thought, well, that was quite a humble statement. You know, and for God to introduce himself to humanity and his son, you know, it could have been a little bit better. It could have been a little bit bigger. I could imagine the angels talking in heaven if you only really knew how special this little baby was. Jesus comes into this world not as he should, but one day he will come in all glory. He comes in humility because he wants to connect with humanity to live like one of us. Indeed, it is a, as the song says, it's a strange way to save the world. So how do we worship in humility? We worship in humility when we think of others above ourselves. when we realize it's more blessed to give than to receive. When we come into this place of worship and we say, this worship is not for me, it's for God. Tamara was just here talking about how you can serve. And there's joy in service, joy in giving of ourselves. Yes, we need to be fed. Yes, we need these things. But it's not the chief motivations, the chief focus. When we come and worship, we come in humility.
knowing that God is the one to be praised. Amen? Amen. Number three, worship despite the mystery. Worship despite the mystery. Over the years, I've had uh, ministry uh, in the hospital and uh, you know, there's a universal thing that happens in the hospital when you go and you talk to patients uh, there. Um, no, no one likes this, and that's the unknown. You see, the news can be bad. Say, and even, even if, it, if the news is bad and you've got a cancer or some kind of disease or something, at least you know what it is, right? At least, okay, we can come up with a plan and we can fight it and we can do this. And, and you know, but the worst thing is when you don't know what's going on and the doctors don't have any answers. That is the hardest place to be because you don't know what's going on and you don't, a lot of us, you know, we want to try to fix things. Well, if you don't know what the problem is, you don't know how to fix it. And so in the Christmas story, there's a bit of mystery. There's a bit of unknown. And when it comes to our relationship with Christ and our faith journey, some of you here today, maybe you struggle with those unknowns. Why do certain things have to happen in our life? Why do people have to get sick? Sometimes we simply ask ourselves, God, why are you doing what you're doing? And then there's the mystery of who exactly is Jesus? In the early church, there were many debates over this. Is he God clothed in flesh? Is he, is he a, a man who somehow attained a, a God-like status? And obviously these views aren't correct, but the one where we land, it's not easy. He's 100% human and he's 100% divine. Now, I wasn't a math major in college, but, you know, 50 and 50 give you 100, right? 100 and 100 is 200, right? But that doesn't work if you have to keep it in 100. But somehow with Jesus, he's 100% human. He's 100% divine. He's a fully man. He's fully God. Well, Bobby, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Welcome to the mystery. Welcome to the to the mystery. Let me share something with you today. If you wait until you are able to figure God fully out before trusting and believing in him, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you think your brain is big enough to comprehend the fullness of God, your God's too small. Yes, we can know God through his word. We can have a relationship with him, but there are things in life that we have to take on faith. There is mystery to the Christmas story, but let the mystery lead you to worship. And verse 19 is interesting to me as Mary's thinking about all these things that are happening. It says, Mary treasured up all these things. She's pondering them in her heart. She's just taking us all in. And, you know, remember for Mary, these were not easy times. She was pregnant before being married. She was subject to ridicule and scorn. She surely didn't have a clue of everything that was happening and going on. And she just kept taking it one day at a time. But it's really easy to miss the huge thing that happens for Mary in this story right here. 
when the shepherds came and they, they told the story of the angels for Mary, it was a huge confirmation. Are you hearing me? It was a huge confirmation that she's not crazy. <laughs> that what God was doing, he was gonna be faithful to her and he was going to do the things that he had said he would do for her. But here's this young teenage girl who's likely scared and she's away from home and she just gave birth. And these strangers come in, shepherds, and say, you're not gonna believe what we just saw and we just heard and it's all about you and your baby. Can you imagine how Mary felt at that moment, the confirmation that came in there? You may be living in a mystery. You may, you may not have all the things figured out that God is doing in your life. But church, hold on. Because God can bring the confirmation. Is there something mysterious in your life? Something that you don't have control over? You don't know how it's going to end? You know, God is doing something but you have so few details. So when we come into worship, don't focus on the things that you don't know, but focus on the fact that you know that God is working. Amen. Worship in faith, trust, believe. God has a purpose, he has a plan, believe it. This Christmas, worship even in the mystery. The fourth thing I wanna share with you this morning is that worship costs. Worship costs. This uh, Thanksgiving, uh, last few years, I've been frying the turkey in the big pot. And uh, Richard Starrett, he does that too somewhere. Uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's kinda cool, but have you, has anybody had to buy peanut oil lately? I mean, has anybody gone on sticker shock lately? Maybe you had to go out and go out and get a Christmas tree or something, and you're like, it costs how much? Uh, and I think we're all living with that right now. Uh, we're, we're dealing with that. And there's a question that I think about that needs to get asked, and what did it truly cost the Father to send us his son? I think about this, so there's a song by Matt Redman, it's an older song called Here I Am to Worship, and there's a line that says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. And in Romans 12, we learn that, that as we're transformed by the renewing of our minds that we're called to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. In a spiritual sense, we're dead to us, but we're all in, we're alive in Christ because we have that relationship with Jesus. And so when we come into a place of worship, we need to have this mindset of putting ourselves on the altar. Lord, my life is yours, not my way, but your will be done. To reaffirm that, Lord, you are God, you are the boss, you are Lord, you are in control. And this is the cost. 
You see, the Christmas story may start in a wooden manger, but it ends on a wooden cross. His birth had purpose. It had reason from the very beginning. And I believe it cost far more than you and I will ever know on this side of heaven. But the cost, sacrifice, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our place. Jesus was completely innocent. He was without sin, and yet he died for our sin. True worship involves sacrifice. Jesus, the lamb that was slain. And so what does it cost you? That's a good question. This Christmas, can I encourage you to count the costs, the cost to the Father, the cost paid by the Son for our life, for our freedom, for our salvation. It's all because of Jesus. And it started in the manger. Lastly, this morning, number five, worship in peace. I invite you to close your eyes for just a moment. Everybody in here, close your eyes. And as I say these words, I want you to place in your mind the words that I have for you. See these words with your mind's eye. Are you ready? Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Round young virgin, mother, and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Okay, you can open your eyes. Was anybody snoring? Okay. Not yet. Thank you. I don't know about you, but just saying those words gives me a, a peaceful, easy feeling. Uh, you know, but again, can I remind you that the Christmas story was so much more going on in the background Mary's thinking of all these things. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? There's a crazed ruler, Herod, around there looking for him. There's so many things going on in the backstory. But the word that I want to share with you today is this. Peace is not found in your circumstances. It's found in a person. Jesus. Are you hearing me? Peace is not found in your circumstances. It's found in a person. So many people are trying to change those circumstances. I think if I change a relationship, if I change my job, if I change my location. But peace is realizing that I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Some of you today can be stressing about a good many things. Things that can be beyond your ability to resolve or control. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, hear this, come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he talking about yoke there? Is he talking about eggs? No. A yoke was a, it was a wooden bar. It was a frame that would join draft animals at the head or neck area so that they would pull together. And without the yoke, one animal could be a little more dominant than the other, could be a little faster than the other. And without the yoke, what would inevitably happen is the animals would go in circles instead of straight. Some of you today, this morning, if you're honest, you feel like you're going in circles. You feel like you're just living the same old day, day in and day out. And you have so many burdens, so many cares, so many concerns. And Jesus is saying, let me be your yoke to help you get out of that rat race and live your life with purpose and direction and you will have peace. You see, when you're willing to lay your life down and place it in the hands of your Savior, hurricanes can roar, oceans can rise, the worlds may tumble and fall, but you will be at peace. Remember, peace is a person, the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And he longs to give you his peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this is one of the marks of a believer is that people will see you've got all this crazy stuff going on in your life and you just seem to be at peace. And you tell them, it's not me. <laughs> it's Jesus in me. It's the Holy Spirit at work. Because the craziness is always going to be there in this life. But you can have peace. And some of you today, you desperately long for peace. You're here today and you, you need some of that. I want to invite you all to bow your head and close your eyes and pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm here in this place today, but I'm struggling. And Lord, and I'm gonna take a step of faith today. I'm gonna trust you and believe you. I believe, Lord, that you sent your son as a babe to come to this earth to give me life, to give me peace. And I believe what you did on that cross, that you died,
rose again. And Lord, I invite you to come into my heart now and to be my Lord and Savior. And God, I pledge to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that for the first time this morning, I'd invite you to come and tell somebody about it. It's the best thing you can ever do in your life. Let's stand together as we have a time of invitation. You come as God leads you. May you feel and know his peace.
Church, this morning, I pray that you will go in the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Have an awesome week, folks.